0: Shetland, along with the rest of Scotland, has some of the most progressive outdoor access legislation anywhere in the world. But with such freedom comes great responsibility, to paraphrase Spider-Man, and there are certain things that we should do whenever we're going out and about in the outdoors. My name is John, I run a company called Adventure Shetland, which provides guided tours, walks and hikes throughout Shetland. This is Adventure Shetland, the podcast, and today we're going to crack the Scottish Outdoor Access Code. Once again, this podcast was recorded live outdoors in some croftland in Shetland so the sound quality may not be perfect you might hear some wind and things like that but the information is all there and perfectly audible. As you probably know by now there's nothing I love more than getting out off the beaten track and exploring the very best that Shetland has to offer. Doing that comes with a degree of responsibility though to ensure that we can all get out and enjoy the outdoors to their full extent without disturbing or inconveniencing anyone or anything who lives and works in that landscape. These responsibilities are outlined for us in the Scottish Outdoor Access Code and it's really really important to understand and to know what's in the code before we head off out into the outdoors. But what does it actually contain? So what is the Scottish Outdoor Access Code? Well, I'll quote from the website directly and hopefully that'll explain things a bit more. So the website says The Scottish Outdoor Access Code provides a practical guide to help everyone make informed decisions about exploring Scotland's great outdoors in a safe and responsible way. It stems from the 2003 Land Reform Scotland Act, which established a legal framework of public access rights to most land and inland water in Scotland. These rights are often referred to as the right to roam, which is a phrase you might well have heard and it's very, very different to access laws that are in place in England and Wales, for example. So, Scottish land access rights apply to uh, hills and moorland, uh, rivers and lochs and the coastline and beaches, and also to some types of farmland, but not all. There are a few common sense uh, exceptions as well to things like people's houses and gardens, farmyards and other buildings and, and their compounds, school grounds, things like that, and obviously places that uh, that charge an entrance fee as well. Access rights include activities such as walking, climbing, uh, kayaking, even things like wild swimming, um, but they don't apply to activities such as uh, shooting, fishing, or um, access to motor vehicles either. This last point is a really, really uh, relevant one to us here in Shetland. Um, this summer, uh, one Shetland crofter has had to restrict access to their land due to the sheer number of uh, motor vehicles that have been driving through it and, uh, and damaging their croft roads and things like that. Um, so that's a, a really clear example of, uh, of what the rights don't include. Additionally, a few other crofters have reported issues of uh, numbers, increased numbers of people travelling through, their going through their land in an irresponsible manner. So this video was kind of designed to help, um, to help reduce that, to alleviate that, and to give everyone kind of a, a, a better, uh, a better knowledge base. Mm-hmm. The Scottish Outdoor Access Code has three key principles: one, respect the interests of others; two, care for the environment; and three, take responsibility for your own actions. When these three principles aren't adhered to, the whole system falls apart. Um, Unfortunately, we saw that earlier this year when uh, vast swathes of dirty campers all across Scotland left a horrendous mess behind them. And that gave really all of us who enjoy the outdoors a bad name. And it's a, a clear example of what not to do. Those dirty campers give us the perfect example of what not to do when we're out and about, but what should we do instead? Luckily, there's only five kind of key points that we need to take on board. So let's go through those just now. So number one, be accountable for your own actions. When you're out and about, we need to be alert for hazards, um, keeping an eye on what's happening around us and and looking out for our own safety as well as those that we're with. This is especially true in the case of children. If we've got kids out with us, uh, we need to remain extra vigilant there. But in short, don't be an idiot. Be responsible for, for what you're doing when you're out and about. Number two, respect people's privacy, property, and peace of mind. It should go without saying, but often it doesn't, so here we are, and uh, it bears repeating again. But when we're out and about, we shouldn't be acting in ways that could cause alarm or annoyance to others, and especially not at night time. We should obviously be staying as far away from people's homes and gardens as we can as well, and giving them as wide a berth as, as we possibly can. In addition, we should be using styles and gates wherever possible, and try to avoid climbing fences and walls and things like that. If there's no other option and we do have to climb the fence the wall whatever it is and something happens to break while we're doing it really we should be trying our best to notify the landowner uh, as soon as we can do equally if a farmer a crofter or some other land manager has put up uh, a sign on their land they've done that for a reason and so we as as users of their land need to take heed of of what that says and, and act upon what they say do what they tell us basically Often that'll be for our own safety, um, particularly if there are livestock or, or crops involved. This links quite nicely with point three, which is help landowners and land managers work safely and effectively. Again, this point is all about respecting uh, those who are living and working in the landscape by following instructions that they give us, whether that's uh, in the form of signs, as we've just mentioned, and again, using gates and styles rather than climbing over fences or walls. Again, if we have no other option and we do need to climb a fence, then we should do so close to a post or ideally beside a strainer. And if we have to climb a gate, then we should only ever do that at the hinge end. We should always be looking to avoid causing damage to crops. And we also need to remember that sometimes fields that just look like grass to you and me could be a silage crop or or a grazing field and shouldn't be trampled. And what we should always be looking to do when we're passing through a field is to stick as close to the fence line, to the edges and the margins of the field, as we can. And if we can, walk in single file. Um, It does make a difference. Should any harvesting of crops or shift and moving of livestock be taking place, obviously we should be doing our best to keep out of the way of that, keep as far away as possible, uh, so as not to interrupt or cause damage or danger to ourselves or others or to to animals as well. It's an offence to disturb or to worry livestock, so we need to be really, really careful. Animals such as cows, horses, even sheep can be dangerous to people, uh, especially if they have if they have young, so calves, foals or lambs. We need to be especially careful around them and to try and avoid situations where we're encountering them. If it's impossible to avoid going through a field which contains livestock or, or other animals, then we, should, we need to be really, really vigilant. Uh, always keep an eye on them, keep as far away from the animals as possible. And, uh, and do our best to to avoid the situation. I can't stress how important it is to really be mindful of this and we need to completely avoid it entirely if we have a dog with us, which brings us nicely on to point four. So yeah, point four, keep dogs under proper control. We all know that dogs are extremely well-loved pets and uh, they can be great companions to us while we're heading out and about as well, but we do need to make sure that they're under proper control while we are out exploring. As I mentioned previously, it's an offence to worry livestock and so it's it's really vital that uh, we take care to avoid fields containing animals and it's absolutely essential that we do so if there are lambs or calves, uh, etc. Should we have no option but to take our dog through a field containing livestock, then uh, we need to keep the dog on a, a short lead or at the very least very close at heel. Uh, we need to be very very vigilant of what's going on around us and if cattle particularly react in an aggressive manner towards our presence then first thing we should do is keep calm let go of the lead and make our way out of the field by the shortest and safest possible route remember in some circumstances farmers can kill dogs uh, to stop them attacking or, or worrying their livestock and the best way to avoid this absolutely awful outcome that nobody wants to happen is to avoid the situation arising in the first place. Additional care needs to be taken during the bird breeding season which is usually from April to around July uh, here in Shetland and and Scotland as a whole. Birds nest on the ground particularly on the hills and in the moors Um, so dogs should again be be kept on a lead to avoid disturbing them during that nesting period. Dogs should also never be taken into crop fields unless there's no other alternative Um, again if that's the case and um, we have to take the dog in with us, then, again, we should be looking to stick to the same restrictions as humans, but on a lead, um, and stay as close to the fence line as possible, to the margins of the field, and, again, keeping it in, in single file where we can, or at least close close to heel. And, finally, again, it should go without saying, but here we are repeating ourselves again, you should always, 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 always clean up after your dog, be prepared to take more bags than you think that you'll need and be prepared to use them to pick up any waste your dog leaves behind. Yeah, you should be prepared to take those bags out with you as well. Nobody likes to come across a discarded or left behind bag of dog poo. So take it out with you, please, please. And finally, that brings us on to point number five, which is care for your environment. It'd be wrong to rank any of these five points as more or less important than the others, but this one is at least equally important with with all of the ones that we've discussed already. We really need to do all that we can to avoid disturbing wildlife when we're out and about, whether that be birds or insects, plants, wild animals, wildflowers, things like that. We should really be avoiding disturbing them where we can. Where possible we should be looking to stick to paths or established routes at least some plant species, particularly here in Shetland, are are pretty rare. Uh, they're on quite a, a marginal existence and uh, are also growing on quite thin soils so we don't want to be promoting heavy footfall in, in certain areas um, and, and sticking to paths kind of helps to reduce that uh, if we can minimize the area that people are walking on. Equally we shouldn't be disturbing birds that are nesting, whether they're uh, on the hills, whether they're beside lochs and shores or on the cliffs. Um, we don't want to be disturbing them, again, seabirds particularly, but lots and lots of other species are having a really tough time at the moment with numbers declining. We don't want to do anything to exacerbate that problem. It's equally true with other wildlife as well, we use the example of, of otters. It can be really, really tempting if you see one to try and get as close as you can to get the best view, but it's really important that we kind of stay back a little bit, don't disturb them, um, enjoy the view that we have. and we don't end up then inadvertently chasing them off. Again, unlike the dirty campers that we mentioned before, um, I hate having to use them as an example, but uh, but here we are. We should always be following the principles of leave no trace wherever we go. Again, it doesn't just apply to camping, but any time that we're out in the outdoors, we should be taking out all our rubbish with us. Anything that we take on the walk should come back out too. And that way we end up leaving the landscape in a pristine condition as we find it hopefully, as we find it, for the next person to come along and, and, and do the same. It's really for everyone's benefit that we do this, people and, and animals and wildlife as well. So there we have it. It might seem like a long list of do's and don'ts and I hope it doesn't come across as being too preachy. I know I've not always stuck to all those guidelines myself. I'm still learning, we're all still learning and it's an opportunity for us to get better at being out in nature. These guidelines are absolutely vital for all of us who enjoy being in the outdoors to follow. As they are for for everyone's benefit, as I've said several times now, in Shetland and in Scotland as a whole, we are incredibly lucky to have such progressive public access rights. It's a luxury that's not afforded to a lot of the world. It's really important that we we stick to our end of the bargain, our end of the deal, and and uphold our obligations as well. As I've said over and over, it is it is really for everyone's benefit, and uh, and it it is generally. A system that works if we all stick to it. And yeah, it's really important that we do know the code before we go. If you have any thoughts or questions about anything you've heard in the show today about the Scottish Outdoor Access Code or getting out and about, in Shetland, or I suppose in Scotland as a whole, let me know. You can get in touch by email to john, J-O-N, at adventureshetland.com or through any of the social media channels, which I will link in just a moment. This podcast was made possible thanks to the very generous support of our producers over on Patreon. You can find the names of our producers down in the show notes. If you'd like to join them as a producer and also get your name in the... In the show credits or the show notes, simply head to our Patreon and join up at the Explorer level or higher. The web address for that is patreon.com slash adventure underscore Shetland. I'd like to thank the Revelers, a local Shetland band, for the use of their music, particularly the songs Refugee Nobleman, and Skeletons, which you've heard throughout this podcast as well. For more information about the band, head to the -revelers.com Again, the link is in the show notes. If you'd like to find out more information about Adventure Shetland and the various things that I provide through the company, head to our website, that's adventure We also have links there to an online shop if you'd like to buy some merchandise or perhaps a virtual tour if you can't make it to Shetland in person. Head to selfie.com slash adventure dash Shetland. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can do. We're on Instagram at adventure.shetland, Facebook at adventure.shetland, and on Twitter at AdventureShettle1. And if you'd like to see video episodes of this podcast and lots of other subjects, then head on over to YouTube and search for Adventure Shetland, and you'll find us pretty quickly on there. That's everything today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Adventure Shetland, the podcast. I've been John for Adventure Shetland, and I will talk to you soon for more Shetland adventures. All the best.